0: Welcome to Monday Morning Coffee with Inside the Firm. Each week, our hosts will be interviewing local, regional, and national business leaders to give you an inside peek into how they lead their business to success in the ever-competitive business climate. Welcome to Monday Morning Coffee Inside the Firm. Today we have a very special guest all the way from Georgia. Ken Paskins is the CEO of The Shift Spot and founder of C, a GCE Strategic Consulting. He leads transformative ventures for business owners and is based in Sandy Springs, Georgia. Ken brings 30 years of hands-on experience. He's closed record-breaking deals, served as a fractional COO, and excelled in private equity and mergers and acquisitions. Ken offers practical insights for driving real business transformations. Ken, welcome to the show.
1: Lance, great to be here. I pr- really appreciate it. So, yeah,
0: yeah, I'm, 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 we're, I'm happy to pick your brain this morning. And let us let's, let's start with, tell us why you got here. You know, are you from a family of entrepreneurs? Or are you the first? I'm always curious about the entrepreneurial <laughs> journey, where the spirit comes from.
1: Yeah, so I, I, I am. Uh, so I've come from four generations of entrepreneurs, and because of that, I chose not to do that initially. Uh, my father and and mother were those type of high-risk ones that put all their money on red 32, roll the dice, and sometimes it's great. Sometimes they failed miserably. And I remember growing up as a kid, uh, money was falling out of the sky. And then the next minute, literally at, at the age of 10, my mom was asking to borrow money to pay the phone bill. So I took the corporate route initially and went out and um, you know gained my experience, uh, managed p ls up to a half a billion, uh, very large teams of 450 plus, gained that experience. And then uh, later on my career, got burnt out traveling 150,000 miles a year, like a lot of folks. And then I started operating as a fractional COO, CEO um, for a good amount of time, helping basically entrepreneurs or business owners like my father that were struggling get to the next level or see some things that they didn't see and and help them get by get get through that, if you will. And uh, then after seeing a lot of these repeat movies of just people making bad hires, bad financial decisions, et cetera, et cetera. I got created the shift spot and it's a community that surrounds uh, CEOs and entrepreneurs on that journey just to help increase their success rate. So uh, but that's my journey starts at birth. Like most of us in a nutshell. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's wild. It's so, it's so crazy to me every time. I, I love, I love the different answers I get from that question because it's like, it's either, it's either A or B and people had no entrepreneurs in their family. And then they become like me, this serial entrepreneur that <laughs> starts business after business after business. Cause they were just like, they hate the anxiety of, of, of worrying about money. Um, and yeah. then folks like yourself, where I've heard this story too, of we've started, we, uh, my parents were entrepreneur, entrepreneur, and I was like, no, but then you kind of fell back into it. So it seems yeah. like there's some, there's just like a bloodline there for entrepreneurs, um, and that spirit. Yeah. Let's jump into the, the scaling up part of it that you mentioned yeah. and, and how yeah. pe- if people are trying to scale up their company. What do you think, what do you find are the common and the top reasons why companies can't scale up?
1: Well, just, just real quick, and let's look at a couple of statistics before I go there. So you're fortunate, Lance, and you're you're smart and, and everything, but there's a lot of entrepreneurs that obviously struggle. If you look at the first year in business, 38% of all companies fail. After year five, 50% fail, Right. Um, and if you look at corporate America, well, all companies across America, 98% or 100 employees or less, and 89 or 20 employees or less. So most business owners are like my father. They learn on the job. They teach themselves about leadership and management. They teach themselves about cash flow statements and P&Ls. And that's complicated, and that adds a lot of failure risk uh, to their company. So the core areas that I see that get in the way of of individuals and entrepreneurs as they scale their company are the core areas that we focus on. And it's the basic components of leadership and management of your team, uh, human capital and what that means. So all the HR stuff, if you will, systems and processes. A lot of uh, companies, when they start, they'll continually throw bodies at a problem rather than systemizing and adding processes. And then sometimes I'll go to the extreme and overdo it. Once I get the hang of that, right? Uh, finances, right? And making uh, making decisions with you know data and facts versus gut and feel. So we focus on a lot of those things, if you will. And those are generally the things you know that I, I see companies struggle with, you know, when they're when they're starting a business.
0: Yeah, yeah. Can you give an example of, uh, without naming names, a company where you 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 dove in with them, you started working with them, and you you ha- there's a, a, a they just did not have X system in place, and then sort of an example of a system that you helped them gain, you know, put it implement, and then once they were systematized, things started moving in the right direction.
1: Yeah. Well, what we'll do is, you know, we when we work with a, a business owner, I mean, most business owners, you, you sound like you're wired a little differently, but most will not even identify what their core processes are. So we focus on, you know, just building out what your core processes are. So ba- basically, um, what is our client engagement strategy or or process, right? Um, you know, when we roll out a design, what does that look like? What are the checks and the balances there? Right. And then Any process that you, so identify the top seven to nine across a company, new hire process, AP process, AR process, what are the top seven and nine core processes? And that's not just with one client, right? But all clients, identify what those are. And then what you need to do is then put those into what I call a technology container of some sort. So if you have a, uh, say, a sales process that you need to build to increase your odds of success, look at putting that into a CRM. Does that, does that make sense?
0: A hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, There's also, you know, the accountability part of, of running a company. Yeah. You're holding yourself accountable, holding employees, holding consultants. Do you have any tips for us about how a CEO is? I do. Yeah, go ahead.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I do. And understanding, I actually just, Put out an article on this. It's not out yet. I just recorded something yesterday on this. But understanding accountability is actually it's it's challenging. I think for individuals uh, to to be quite honest, I'll hear some owners say uh, so and so just doesn't hold so and so accountable. I'm under the personal belief, Lance, that people want to be held accountable, right? And if we've hired the right individuals that fit within our core values of an organization. But oftentimes when we're not getting the results that we want out of that individual and they're not being accountable per se often falls on us so we can we can solve some of those problems just with keeping some of these basic concepts in mind so first of all, try to make sure that the expectations are clear right and and you know generally I'll see this problem bubble up when, you know, let's say I was working with you, Lance, and and I hear, I don't know why they don't roll out the designs I do, the way I do. I don't understand why they don't have the conversations with the client I do. I don't know why they don't see this. Well, we think that through our head, but unless we put that down on paper, or have those conversations or set that clarity, we can't expect our people to do that, right? So a lot of times what I, I will like to do and ask people to do is, Put together what you call it the golden rules, the 10 commandments, whatever that is, and those core expectations for your team member. Review them quarterly with them. And then reflect back on them if you ever run into a problem. So, two things that I always have in those are show up on meetings on time. Another one that I always have in there is don't bring me a problem, bring me a solution, right? right? And and let's let's talk through it, right? If you want to bounce that idea across. But make sure that that is clear, right? So now that we've established those clear expectations, make sure that you're also holding yourself accountable, right? So I, I tell business owners a lot of times, expect 90% of your team of what you're willing to give. Meaning if I show up late to all my meetings, if my work is sloppy, if I don't follow up, then I should not you know, question why my team doesn't follow up with my clients, why my team shows up late to meetings, and why their work is sloppy. So we've got to walk the talk and actually hold ourselves accountable and paint that picture. Another tip is hold every everybody accountable equally, right? And I think that if you look at smaller companies, specifically when they get going, we have some favoritism. Well, Jimmy is my brother, right? Susie's been here eight years. Tommy is just Tommy and we accept it, right? That puts a significant burden on your high performers and your other employees that may be on a different, you know, a different level per se. And that actually drives down engagement. It drives down accountability and it drives down results. And then just create an entire culture of accountability. Reward those that are accountable and deliver the results that you want and expect from your your organization. And 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 for those that don't fit in, know when to cut ties. But if we go out and if we hire the correct individual, right, onboard them correctly, and they fit our core values, and we do those things to drive accountability, then you're ultimately going to have accountability with your organization. And like I said, I do believe that most humans are wired to want to be accountable, want to serve a greater purpose, and want to do well and deliver results and the ones that don't, if we've done and laid out that groundwork, then that's on them.
0: Yeah, 100%. but it starts with us. <laughs> it really does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's let's move to vision. So you know, there's a there's a lot of talk from different business coaches uh, and, and mentors and that sort of thing about like how you put together your company's vision. When you're coaching people and working with them, CEOs, what's your what? How does that strategy work?
1: So I mean, first of all. Uh, Any CEO is going to have together what their their typical vision is, but, you know, at a high level, but generally most of them don't put it down on paper. So I like to actually get it down on paper. And it all starts with actually, you know, what are your core values of the organization? Because that, in my opinion, wires everything, right? We're going to, we want to work with people that fit our core values. We want to attract those clients. We want to go to market that way. Right. And then set out a a long BHAG per se, such as we're going to be the largest architecture firm in North America. We're going to be the best architecture firm in Colorado, whatever that is. Set some grand uh, vision in the future, right, Of, of where you're going so the employees can actually see themselves growing from a career perspective, a financial perspective, a benefits perspective. Establish that, right? Make sure that you also have a clear niche and a greater purpose of you know what it is you're trying to actually fill, right? So, I I, I don't know your firm, but some some firms will say we want to you know we want to have we we want to leave no person without a house, right? So that's something for people to get behind right and and you know all of our designs are created towards making sure that we leave every human being with you know their house that may not be the best vision ever like so, but that's that's a, that's a, a a thought and then you know make sure that you break it down into also a 3 year objective and a 1 year objective and then recast that vision continuously, right? So what I mean by that, a lot of people are one and done. We'll give a great annual posi- uh, speech to our team. We'll assume that it's sunk in and we'll go on our way, but it's not. So we've got to recast that on a quarterly basis. We've got to have that discussion passionately with employees at, at all times. And we've got to make sure that they're on the same page and understand that, you know, where we're going and keep in mind that most humans—I say most, but statistically it says all humans need to hear things seven times. So you've got to you've got to repeat this, right? So, uh, and and something else to think about too is some humans are audio and some per- people are visual as well. I haven't I haven't tried to pay attention to you, but if you're that type of individual, that says I hear you can. You're an audio guy. So I've got to cast that message audio for you. If you say, I see, I see where you're coming from, you're more visual. So I've got to use that as well. And understanding, you know, how many times they've cast out a vision, you know, the different ways to cast it and everything is extremely important. And then as you go uh, and grow your organization, you know, I like to create these environments to keep, bring the employees in and also help them uh, help evolve my vision as well. So you, your your show, well, you, we'll call it, you know, uh, Coffee with Lance on Fridays, right? But paint the picture with your employees that, hey, this is going to be a time to sit down with Lance mm-hmm. every Friday, and we're going to talk through... You know, um, what you're seeing in, in the market, some of the challenges with your clients give you the uh, opportunity to open up and ask me some ca- ca- questions on a very casual basis, and then take that as a CEO and a visionary and make sure you're constantly uh, molding and adjusting your vision where necessary.
0: I love that. I You know, the, 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 the flexibility part of it is something I honestly hadn't heard for a while, and we've had a couple hundred guests on the show, you know, in your sort of position And when I was reading through your bio, there was a lot of acronyms thrown out. And one that stuck out to me is the KPI. So tell our audience who might not know what a KPI is and how we can create KPIs for our companies that matter.
1: Yeah, key performance indicators, right? So um, key performance indicators. The the best way to do it is, I'm going to use a healthcare term, cradle to grave, because um, people can basically, regardless of the industry (laughs) you can associate, Cradle to grave. Uh, yeah. it's a continuum, right? but get get a whiteboard. I think a lot of people when they start developing their KPIs, will just go, Oh, we need to know how long does it I'm trying to be an architect, Lance and I'm not. How long does it take to to generate a quote? How long does it take to uh, uh, pump out a design? And we'll we'll try to hardwire those KPIs, right? We want to establish and set up KPIs are basically seventy percent leading indicators, thirty percent lagging indicators. A lagging per- indicator is what we have done, right? But whiteboard everything. So um, deal one or project final billing out, and then go all the way back and every single thing that happens all along the all, all along the line. So. This architect hands it to this architect. This happens here uh, to where uh, hey, AdWords money put in thousand dollars generates one quote, etc. List out every single thing from cradle to grave on a whiteboard, and then you can break those down. And you you will then at that point you'll see operational KPIs, you'll see financial KPIs, you'll see marketing KPIs, sales KPIs all across the business, and then break those down from a departmental level. But that is the best way to do it. And I challenge people not just to think what they think they are, but to actually take the whiteboard and write out everything. What is the client journey? How do they flow through the organization towards what does an invoice create to when does it turn into cash in my bank account? And you've got to understand all of that. And then that's going to give us really good indicators on cash flow projections and other things that keep you healthy.
0: Beautiful. I, I always like to pick people's brains about stories. I would love if you could share with us a shocking story in the podcast, oh God. the business and a negative.
1: A shocking what? A good one and a negative? Yeah. Is that possible? All right. <laughs> So unfortunately, the the negative is the biggest scars in us, right? So let me start with a negative. So I had this guy uh, maybe seven years ago reach out to me, about a $10 million company out in Puerto Rico. And he called me, uh, the guy was 28 years old. He had an online supplement company. And he called me and said, hey, look, my COO and I have been working together for years. We've agreed that eventually someday we'll get to a certain point and we will out grow each other. And um, I think we might be at that point. I'd like you to come in and kind of investigate things. And we agreed we'd go our separate paths, you know, gracious, graciously. Oh, I can't say that word right today. But anyways. <laughs> Um, but anyways, so I get in there and within two weeks, I told him, I said, you got to fire this person. And he was beside himself. And, and he's like, why? I was like, she's cancerous. She's this, she's doing this, she's doing that. So everybody, you know, my entire company's built upon her. She owns all the relationships with the manufacturers and the uh-huh. distributors and all of this stuff. Is can't do this. It's like all I can do is expose the problems. It's your call, right? What do you want to do? He's like, well, we're going to wind her down over three months. He's like, can you step in during that time at a greater, you know, at a greater amount and help me? And I said, I can do that, but I'm once again, I'm advising him against that. So I get deeper within the company, and within a month, realize that this person has embezzled $250,000 from him, right? She's is isolated finance and other groups and set it up where she controls everything. You um, did further investigation. This person had six different aliases, right? She, I never knew this before, Lance, but she evidently, if, if you watch Suits, I actually learned in Suits uh, or saw this on Suits, but evidently the call prisoners there's a special phone line and phone company or whatever set up for prisoners and i assume it's to record the conversations or whatever she had uh, a phone service into the prisons right so um you know buying airline tickets for her family and all this stuff and it was just it was just nasty so we we engaged counsel at that point Counsel said, basically, look, you can spend, you might spend over a half a million dollars, dump a lot of money in this. She may countersue and you may not get anything in return, right? So, you know, he kind of advised against it. So I had to help this guy, uh, unfortunately, unwind his business, sell off his IP to protect himself because she had also tarnished a lot of relationship, the distributors and other companies. That were then threatening to sue him to protect him. so that was uh that was pretty pretty scary and nasty and that took about six six months to actually help him uh begin the unwinding process and everything um so i don't see that a lot but you know the lesson learned is you know due diligence with hiring have a great hiring process check your references never trust people just by what they say if you will and uh, there were a lot of lessons learned there. So that that is a tragic one. Um, as far as your 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 other question, what was it, please?
0: Well, basically, yeah. So I mean, that was very interesting. <laughs> Thank you for that. Like, like yeah. Completely unique, like you said, uh, a positive a positive story about uh, that 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 would shock us. I mean, it yeah. makes
1: it's one. no, actually, actually, one that comes to mind is actually one in our community. Uh, so in our community, we have these uh, these sessions every every week and where you can uh, imagine a bunch of CEOs sitting around a table and it's it's professionally facilitated and they bring some of their biggest problems to the table. And this one, this one comes to mind. And there was this guy that, ironically, it's not like we have a niche in supplements, but there's this guy that had 16 stores and he'd been in the supplement and healthcare and, you know, we'll call it woo-woo space for, for 16 years as well, uh, ironically, 16 stores and, and everything. But uh, he was he was struggling because he found himself in a position where he had a leadership team that had been with him for a long time. And he was making all the excuses in the world for them on why they were not succeeding, why they didn't do what he said, why they didn't follow through. And they've gotten they've gotten a bit lazy. And um, he was bearing the brunt of this because he was paying the financial penalties. And so he found himself in a situation where he was going to have to look at doing some layoffs and cutting some people. And he's never had to do that. He's one of the type that none of us like to fire, but some of us know when we have to, and he didn't want to do that at all. So we started talking through the problem, and we, you know, uh, one of the CEOs of the table said, look, we're we're looking at this incorrectly. It's like, you know, we, we can look at the bottom line, but let's also look at the top line. And two of the things that we came up with were, ironically, one of them was, recast the vision and resetting the expectations across the leadership team so we began that path and a lot and that that was my idea uh, a lot of the same track uh, that I just shared with you uh the other one was let's look at how you go to market with your products let's look at changing that a little bit and doing something unique so he was a basic online and at retail stores as well, where you go buy your supplements, have them shipped to your, your house. He had a ton of loyalty. So we created not only a loyalty program, but, but a monthly membership program and actually did some creative packaging and everything that then helped actually increase his top line over a nine month period by 30%. And with that, he didn't have to make any cuts. Right. He didn't have to make any cuts. And then he also made sure that his vision was not only understood, but the expectations of his team was, understood, and he began to uh, put himself in a position where he was back in control of his business. So I think that's that's probably the one thing that comes to mind. I think the the poor guy in Puerto Rico and the supplement business reminded me of him <laughs> because of yeah. similar industries, but that that's that's a positive story, anyways,
0: yeah, yeah. one of the keys that we've found in it, you know in our two small companies, which are uh, in that ninety eight percent that you mentioned earlier is that, yeah. The only way one of the one of the key things in order to grow your business is you got to figure out how you're not going to work in it all the time. Like I, I'm not here drafting anymore, right? I'm doing yeah. business development. and how 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 can I how can others start doing that, working on their business versus in it all the time?
1: Yeah, so so great phrase. We we talk about it all the time. I think it's the buzzword out there these days. But we're, working on the business is doing what you're doing, right? So you're you you're doing this podcast. You're getting your brand out. You're working more strategically. I got to assume that this feeds you and and you have fun doing it as well. And we do that also. Uh, You're having strategic relationships and, focus on where are we going to be in three to five years from now? So that's where everybody wants to get, Lance. And I hope you're there now. And if you're not, you're you're probably getting close, right? Um, Working in the business is doing the design work. It's I'm doing my finances. I'm micromanaging my team. I'm doing all the hard work. uh, I'm questioning why I ever got into business. I'm wondering if I should go backwards and scale backwards and just be a solo architect, right? So that's that's very painful. So the best ways to get there, obviously, is first of all, it starts with you, right? Uh, you've got to become a solid leader and manager of people and understand what that means. You've got to be able to cast that vision. You've got to surround yourself with the right people that fit the core values of your organization. You've got to make sure that you have all the right people in the right seats. And then you've got to make sure that you understand the basic concepts of delegating out and trust, but verify, right? And then once you get to those points in place, it's sharpening the sword. And once again, all the core areas that we focus on, it's your finances, your leadership and management, human capital, systems and processes, and and you know, and then systemizing your your, your core processes across the organization. But once you get those foundational things in place, that's when you can begin to elevate, right? But but it always starts with us. And if uh, we as an individual can't begin to grow as leaders and managers and then get those right people in and understand and cast our vision out and then delegate and then build up those basic foundation pieces, we're never going to get there. But and it sounds easy, but it's not, and you know it's not, and it takes a lot of time, and it takes personal commitment.
0: Yeah, yeah. What do you so? There's leadership. There's management. Key differences.
1: Yeah, at a very high level, leadership is uh, setting that vision, right? That's one of the things. Management yeah. is setting correct expectations, and, and you know, giving the person the right tools and the things that they need to do their job on a day-to-day basis. So if I have high expectations that you deliver, and once again, I'm trying to pretend to uh, understand architecture, but you deliver high-end designs every single day, but I don't give you the software to do that, right? I expect you to do it with a number two pencil like the old days and paper. Yeah. Right? Then I'm not giving you the the tools that you need to succeed, and I'm not managing you correctly. But those are, I mean, it's a little bit more complicated than that. But being the leader is casting that vision that direction, where we're going and everything. The manager is, it's a little it's a little tighter. the tools, that one to one connectivity and that expectation setting,
0: yeah, beautiful, beautiful. I, I think you're spot on, obviously. Uh, two last questions here as we run up on the half hour, Can sure. First one is knowing what you know now, and if you could go back in time to when you first started the shift spot, what is one piece of advice you give yourself?
1: Probably the same advice that I've given every owner. Um, you know, it's um, be more patient and know specifically startups take longer than you think, right? It's, it's um, you know, I've done M&A, I've been involved in, you know, VC stuff, PE stuff and everything. And, Buying a business and then polishing it up and tweaking it and changing it is simple. Taking the idea and then and then redoing that idea through alphas and betas and testing that mm-hmm. and and not only that, but don't fall and I, I well I'm giving you a bigger answer than you expected. Don't fall in the trap that I know the answer. I'm just going to stick to it. If if you're not getting your clients, if you're not delivering the service, then something's missing and take the time to question yourself and reflect and don't be scared to change things periodically. So that'd be the advice I'd give myself uh, and and any person that's looking to create a startup, something from scratch.
0: Yeah, I love that. Ken, I thank you so much for your time today. If people want to check out you, they want to find, they want to go to the Shift Spot and maybe be, become a member. Where can they find, follow you, get in touch?
1: Yeah, so so two things. Do that: www.theshiftspot.com. And and my partner tells me all the time, you don't have to say www. I haven't taught myself <laughs> that yet, right? Uh, but another thing for your listeners, we have we have something uh, to offer actually: theshiftspot.com/gap and we're going to give this to two of your listeners that will go in and type in the promo code inside the firm and it's a gap analysis it's about a $5000 value but it's a, an extensive questionnaire that goes across their entire business from you know financials to operations to sales to marketing simple things such as do you have financial controls in place and if so what are they to you know to you know how do you onboard employees and it helps give visibility to business owners and entrepreneurs that might be stuck and struggling, but not know why. And, and we'll have that conversation and, and pick two of your listeners and help them through that process.
0: Beautiful. Ken, thanks so much again. We really we appreciate your time. We wish you guys uh, nothing but success. And, and I really appreciate what you're doing for the business community.
1: Lance, I appreciate it. It's been a blast.